So have you ever wondered why the Bible is so confusing to understand? Or why Genesis is at the beginning and Revelation is at the end? You ever been curious as to why there's a New Testament and an Old Testament? Or what does that even mean? Well, I'm sure these are all questions that some of us have all asked at some point. So that's what Bible school is all about. We're going to go through the Bible and we're going to talk about the semantics of the why, the how, and most importantly, the who. If you'll ride this out with me, we're going to go cover to cover through the Bible and dig deep and see the mysteries that God has revealed to us through this beautiful love letter that he calls his word. You've just tuned in to Bible School with Reverend Kojo. Last time we had a an incredible lesson, an incredible uh, study that we we tapped into, and it was it we we went on through Genesis three, and so we really got the foundations for the creation and the fall of man, and and all of the depths and riches of that, and and we kind of we just explored, explored, explored. So today we see not only we're not taught we're beyond the fall of man, but we see the Cain and Abel situation. And we're going to go through that. But in order for us to get a true understanding of the Cain and Abel situation, I would just want to refresh a little bit to about the end of what happened with their mom and dad. So we know Cain and Abel are brothers and scripture is going to, um, it's, it's going to, it's going to bring us back to that. But we remember at the end, uh, of verse of chapter three, you have Adam and Eve, uh, in the garden and they're getting thrown out of the garden and, and God pronounces the curses on them. And we talked about that and how upset God was and how disappointed he was in them. Um, and so we just see as scripture, uh, describes that, but the last verse, you remember, we, we talked about the hope that he left. So he drove out the man and placed the East at the East of the garden of Eden, cherubim and uh, flaming sword that which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life, which I think is pretty cool. But I just want to draw some points out that I didn't draw last week um, that I should have drawn, but I think I was pressed for time. So here is here's here's what's what's important. You see, he drove the man out. The man they were no longer in Eden. They no longer had dominion in Eden. Eden was no longer home. He was mad. He put them out. He had told them that they were about to struggle, and that life was not going to be pretty. And on top of that, uh, at some point they were going to have to die and meet a sinner's fate. Um, but at the east, he places a cherubim on a flaming sword, which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. Now this is you know some people are like oh he just placed the angel there to you know to keep Adam, even Adam and Eve out. That is not what happened. He plays a cherubim, like the chief angel, like this strong, militarized angel. Like these, these are not just in every regular day, everyday angels. You know, angels are already angelic. They're like already supernatural creatures. Like it only took one angel that was not a, a cherubim. It took just one angel to go and wipe out Egypt uh, pretty much during, uh, we will see later on when we start talking about Exodus and all that stuff. But it only took one regular angel to go and wipe them out. And, and we're talking about cherubim, these highly militarized um complex cherubim like we're talking about this is a whole different league of angels and so but he he we, we need to pay attention to the scripture here is he placed at the east of the garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way to the tree of life and so you remember last week I said that there was a modicum of hope and it was um that we would be able to soon partake of the tree of life cool but also there we've got to realize that um, although he's preserving our way to the tree of life, he is also, um, he's also, there's a reason he uses a cherubim, uh, that we could, we could conclude 
is that he's trying to keep a cherubim from destroying the tree of life. You need a you need a, a cherubim to fight a cherubim, or you need something stronger. And since cherubim are highly militarized, he knew that he would need such to go and take care of this sweet place and this important tree, because this is by way that he is going to uh, care for us. And we we can even draw a lot of a lot more uh, semantics from that. But we can we need to first realize that Satan was a cherubim. He was the chief cherubim. He was the cherubim who was the praise and worship leader in heaven. He was the uh, the angel who who fell and and was thrown down into the abyss. And in or and he's already proven that he's coming for the man because he's upset with the man. Why? Because God has found favor in the man. And later we'll see that God is going to find redemption in the man, and that was something that was never afforded to Satan. Or any of the angels, and that's why Satan has his angels, which we all we refer to as demons. And so I think verse 24 is important as we begin to go through and look at some things because things get thick and they get thick really quick. Um, and they've already gotten thick. So come join me in chapter 4. We're starting in Genesis chapter 4. And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bore Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. Okay, cool. So Adam and Eve had sex. They had a baby. They named him Cain. Cain, and she said, I have gotten a name, a name, man from the Lord. Well, it just so happens that the name Cain means uh, I have gotten or begotten, which means he believed that he, she re received um, a man child. Well, we we can assume here uh, there are a lot of theories, but one popular theory is that Adam and Eve had several children, but the only children that are mentioned in the Bible are, Adam, are Cain, Abel, and Seth because they're the only ones of, of importance uh, to the for, to the gospel and to history. Uh, but we we could we could assume that possibly they had a lot of girls prior to this, and now they have a boy, or we could just assume that she was just excited that God gave her a man child. We, we you know we don't know. Um, but we, it's fun to, to look at these and things and to search the, the scriptures down and to analyze such word. Moving on, verse 2. And she said again, uh, she again bore his brother Abel, and Abel was the keeper of sheep, but kill. Cain was a tiller of ground. So in other words, uh, Abel was a shepherd and Cain was a farmer. And that, that's, that's, that's what they had and that's what they did. That's who they were. Um... And that's what was important to to the story. Now, uh, as we continue reading, and in the process of time, it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. Okay, and verse four, Abel also brought of the firstlings of his flock, of his flock, and of the fat thereof, and the Lord had respect unto Abel and his offering. Okay, why is that important, and how do we know that God liked his and didn't like? How do we know that God liked Abel's and didn't like Cain's? Now, we could build a case for this, and I want you to look at your scripture and, and, and search the scriptures daily. We could build a case based on Levit Leviticus 9, 24, 1 Chronicles 21, 26, 2 Chronicles 7, 1, 1 Kings 18, 38, and Judges 6, 21, that um, in all of these scriptures, when God was pleased with the sacrifice that was given, he consumed it with fire from heaven on the altar. And so we, we could build that case um, and that could be something we could say God received it. Or we could even look at it the way that we 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 give our offerings and our tithes. Bible says don't give begrudgingly. And on the spirit, uh, spirit sense, you know whether God is happy with you in your giving or whether he's not. But it's made plain here that God was not happy. So we don't know if he consumed it with fire or if he said himself that I don't like it. 
take that back and try again. We don't know what it was, but we do know in the next verse, um, next verses, verse five, it says, but unto Cain and his offering, he had no respect and Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. So, but we have a, like I said, we have a textual basis to say that whether God accepted the offering, God did not like it. Whatever his sign was, he did not like the offering. And I want to dig into why he didn't like the offering. Why was Abel's offering superior and why was Cain's inferior? Because let's look at it. Cain was the older son. He was the Lord of what we would call the family. When, when his father passed away, he was going to get the inheritance. He was going to get the honor. He had the, he was passing on the family line. If we were going to do a lineage of Adam, it would be assumed that we would look down to Cain after Adam because he was the firstborn. He was the important one. And so why would Cain be upset? And I forgot to tell you, in this lesson, we're going to st- we're going to st- we're going to study why we hate um, and where where that comes from, because this is the prime example. And, and I, I, you know, especially being black, um, we, we, we search scripture down. Where does hate come from and where does racism come from and where do issues come from? I think the Cain and Abel story is a beautiful place to look. It is a wonderful um, illustration in scripture uh, to discover why. God has it. Why not God, but why people have issues with one another. And so we're going to do that while we look at that. And that's just my sidebar. But we can we can look to um, a, a number of sentences, but we can assume uh, that God consumed the offering when it was accepted. Um, and we, we, we can just stand on that. If you don't want to stand on that, I, I urge you to be like the church in Acts and to search these scriptures down um, daily that that you would find understanding for yourself. I'm going to, I'm going to illuminate it as I have received revelation and as I have studied and I have listened to others, uh, teach and preach. And as I've, I have gone behind them and cleaned it up for myself. Now, now we can say we, first I want to, I want you to look at this, that Cain is making an offering from cursed ground. Okay. Uh, the ground was cursed in chapter three. Remember, uh, when God got angry and threw them out the garden. So the, the, the ground was already cursed and Cain was offering uh, an offering from cursed ground. Uh, but I, I'm not convinced that's the reason God uh, denied it because that was still his livelihood and that was still what he did. I, I believe it was a heart problem. And with it being a heart problem, I'm convinced that that this is where we see the issues arise. Okay. So if you'll just flip to Hebrews 11, and in Hebrews 11, we can get a, a a bigger picture. You know, I think Hebrews 11 is a great place uh, where we see Old Testament and New, and we see God uh, tie a, a, a good deal of things together. But we see this cornerstone called faith illuminated in Hebrews 11. We know that Hebrews 11.1 1 gives us the definition of what exactly faith is. And then it's what people call is the hall of faith, and it goes down and it illuminates uh, faith. Um, a great pillars of faith of the church and of Israel who held their faith even when things did not go well. Many of these people did not like live like they didn't see uh, a lot of them didn't see fruition or they saw only a piece of fruition. But yet they held faith and they held out a modicum of faith because they trusted God was going to be God regardless of when he allowed things to begin to manifest. Um, but verse four, by faith. Abel offered to God, unto God, a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he being dead yet speaketh. So, we're going to go back to the scriptures in Genesis. So, first we know that by faith, 
it was the state of Cain's heart. It was the state of Abel's heart that it was it was important. It was the state of his intention. His faith was in God and his faith, you know, to be faithful would be mean to be full of faith. We know to be faithful would mean that you would carry out what you what you have committed to do. And so we see that having faith is a spiritual action because faith is a spiritual action. It's a heart issue. His heart was turned toward God. And because his heart was turned toward God, we see, um, because his heart was turned toward God, we see Abel's being accepted, which would lead us to assume that Cain's heart was not turned toward God, which would lead us to go further look at and say that Cain was trying to find, uh, find acceptance through his works. And this is already, you remember last time we talked about, uh, Genesis being a, not a, both a book of record and a book of prophecy. Um, so as it is a book of record and a book of prophecy, what we also can take note of is that in um, that later, much later, thousands and thousands of years ago, when Jesus Christ comes about, we can't get to heaven through our works. It doesn't matter how good our works are or what our good works may be. Well, it's never good enough because our sin will always outweigh it. But it seems as though the way that came, Cain came to God is that God is going to accept me because of what I give to him. And the way that Abel came to God is I'm going to give God this because I love him. And so we see an issue arise. And so the, the heart is already wrong before we even see an issue between the two. Because the, the initial issue is with God, even though that is not where Cain is going to take it out with. And that was actually kind of wise, even though his actions weren't wise. But, you know, you take a vendetta out with the create, creator of the earth who is omnipotent, who has all power. Like, <laughs> where, do you, where do you think you're going to go? Uh, you know, it is, it's not looking that good for you. Okay, but continuing, um, but Cain's offering was, like I said, an act of self-righteousness, and Abel's was an act of faith. Uh, verse 7, moving moving right along, we said his countenance fell in verse 6, and verse 7, he says, If thou doest well, shalt thou be accepted? And if thou doest well, sin lieth at the door, and unto thee shall be the, his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. So this is a threat almost. It's like... Look, you're about to lose your place in your genealogy, boy. You got, you have, you're, you're lording over here, but your heart is wrong. And as long as your heart is wrong, I'm not gonna honor, honor a wrong heart. And that, you know, that that moves right into the New Testament. God, God is a heart doctor. He wants your heart fixed. That you know, you, your your works could look good, you could look beautiful on the inside, but if you ride it on the inside, on the on the inside, they got a problem. You have a real, real big problem. Okay. So as long as he was doing all right, they were fine. Now, as we continue through the scripture, uh, verse 8, Cain talked with Abel, his brother. So you see, uh, Cain said, hey, let's go talk about this thing because this thing has been bothering me. Let's let's go out to the, the fields. And, and so they go out to the fields, and then something happens. He says, and it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and slew him. So he kills his brother. Like he, he kills his flesh and blood. He, he kills his brother, like the brother that his mama came from him, the brother that he probably played with as a child. He kills him like no remorse. He kills him. And and I think it's important to note that up until this point, we don't see laws. We, we haven't made it to the days of Leviticus. You know, Leviticus naturally comes after Genesis. We don't see uh, Mosaic law. We don't see Exodus. Uh, we don't see any of these things arising yet. But what we do see is um what we do see 
is that there is no law against killing, but yet in the next few verses, we're going to see that there's a heart pro- there's a heart issue where you know that killing is wrong. So there's naturally something wired on the inside of us that says killing is bad. Some things are naturally when we come into the world knowing that it's bad. Um, and how do we know that? So verse eight, and Cain talk with uh, can't talk with Abel his brother, and it came to pass when they were in the field, and Cain, Cain rose up and against his brother and slew him. And the Lord said to unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not, am I my brother's keeper? And he said, what thou, what hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood crieth to me from the ground. <sighs> okay. And so he says, he says, you know, he, he shrugs it off. Am I my brother's keeper? And y'all know this, this verse has really been, been a brother. It's been on t-shirts. It's become names of, of organizations. This is one of the most famous verses as far as helping people has become. Um, but we see, uh, there was no law against killing yet. And there are some things that, like I said, are hardwired into the human psyche when God created us, when he made us, there were some things that we knew would be right or wrong. And killing is one of those things. You know, we, we don't, we're not supposed to kill one another. It's not in our nature. We get angry and we want to do things, but we know that even in our anger, it is not right. Um, so why, you know, why would kill, the question I want to ask is why would Cain kill his brother when his real issue was with God? Now Cain, now let's, let's, let's note this. Cain was the oldest and making him, he was dominant. Okay. Now we're going to draw some parallels to today, but Cain is the oldest and he's dominant. Now Cain is a farmer, Cain is a farmer. Abel is a shepherd, okay? The livestock multiplies faster than agriculture. The dominant brother saw that the inferior brother began to grow so much so that he challenges his status, okay? He challenges his status. Let's think about that. That sounds familiar. When we start seeing people who hate other groups of people that they don't particularly know, but they know a little bit about, typically the issue comes because you challenge their status, and so you loathe somebody who is going to unseat your power in your natural. Now, when we start walking in the spirit and we start being under, under the guise of the Holy Spirit, typically those things begin to change. But see, the issue should have been with God. But he didn't take issue with God. He took issue with his brother Abel because he realized that the livestock was going to begin to make babies much quicker than the agriculture he realized that the livestock was going to be popping off six times six and seven times itself over and over and over again while the agriculture was going to require much more work and so that dominant brother we see Cain got saw that the inferior brother had the 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 option and the chance to pass him and we even see in verse seven where, where we says if thou does well thou shalt not be accepted and that's a question and he says, if thou dost well, sin lieth at the door. And so he's, he's saying, look, bro, look, you, you're, 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 you're about to uh, trivialize your, your status. Your status might be about to walk away from you. Why should your status be about to walk away from you? Your status may be about to walk away from you because you, your heart is in the wrong place. Um, let's see. The English Standard Version says, if you do well, you will not be accepted. That's a question. And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. The desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. So look, you're you're angry. And this anger is festering in you, and you're going to do something that is going to hurt 
your status, and yet he does it anyway. We see him kill his brother anyway. And so I just want to make the parallel to people who hate, whether we're talking about hate groups against certain races, certain religions, certain anything. We see an issue with hate when we don't, A, don't understand it, and then B, we believe that they are going to take over. Now, I don't understand why we don't, why we can't just sit hand in hand and be cool with being on the same level. Because, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't care if you go make a million dollars as long as I make mine. <laughs> I don't care if I make $10 billion as long as, you know, I don't care. If you, if you, you know what, if you go win a Grammy, who God, do it again, do it again, do it again. I want to see him bless you and do magnanimous things in your life. I want to see him bless you. I want to see you blessed. But you better believe I'm in my prayer closet praying that he would bless me indeed as well. If God is going to enlarge your territory, that don't mean that he can't enlarge my territory. You know, I know he felt there can only be one Lord, but that a Lord of the family. But that does not mean that in your lordship, that you, in, if you, if he's the Lord, that the the other brother can't have well as well. But we live under this guise, and even in the foundations of the world, we see this issue presented itself. And here we are, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of years later, and people still are hating people for trivial reasons. His issue should not have been with Abel. His issue should have been with God. But he took issue with he took issue. Really, it should have been with himself. But if he wanted to get mad at somebody, the person to get mad at would have been God, and he could have took it up with the God. And I promise, God would have probably outlined to him what the real problem was but he chose not to do that because he was angry and in anger we do stupid stuff so you know this is this is what happens when dominance and privilege is challenged by Abel God asked Cain where his brother is not because he doesn't know but because he needs to confess it we can't fix fix what we can't own we can't fix what we cannot own and so what I what I find interesting here is first his dominance was was we see this with the Nazis and the Jews. Hitler convinced these people that the Jews were the reasons for their problems. And the reason that they weren't on top anymore was because of the Jews. Now these people began to hate Jews and then they went and wiped out six million Jews. In America, you know, they hate, they didn't really like us when they brought us over here in ships. But then when we began to educate ourselves and we were stronger. And then, so when they saw we were stronger, they tried to keep us out of their leagues. When they saw that we was we, we had the capacity to be smarter or to be just as smart, then they, they wanted to keep us out of their schools and don't mix and don't do that and the other because we questioned and we, we uh, made them appear as though we were going to even the playing field or maybe even surpass them. We saw our first black president last eight years and people talked about him like he was a dog, not because he was unintelligent. He was intelligent. They talked about his wife, who was the most educated first lady ever. Period. But yet they talked about her like she was a dog. They called her things like gorilla. And she doesn't look like gorilla. She's a very beautiful woman. They talked about this woman uh, incessantly. As if it's, that's what they just had to do is wake up and talk about this woman because they, they threaten their dominance. I'm a firm believer that I can be black and white. We can be black. I can be black. You can be white. We can have a friend that's Muslim and we can all just go and, and thrive and survive together. I watch shows like I watch Master of None. The guy is a, an Indian Muslim. He's the lead character. And I watch the show just, just as much as I watch Blackish. Just as much as I watch This Is Us. Just as much as I watch all of these other shows, I believe we can coexist. But as long as we are under this falsehood that Cain allowed to take over his head, it's just one of the tricks of Satan. 
Satan works. What, he, what, he, what is his job? To steal, kill, and destroy. If he can destroy our sense of community and our sense of love, he can, he can, he can steal, he can steal our joy, and he can kill our person. And this is, this is exactly what we see. This is a, a seed of Satan that has gotten into um, Cain. So, you know, the blood, so let's, let's keep reading. And I think I want to go back to the King James, if that's okay with y'all. <laughs> I can't hear you, so I guess we're just going to go to the King James. And uh, we'll do that. Maybe I want to go to the New King James. Yeah, let's go to the New King James. <clears throat> and so, uh, da, 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 da. verse, verse, let's see. Verse 10, he says, and he says, what have you done? The voice of your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So you are cursed from the earth, which has opened its mouth and received your brother's blood from your hand. Boy, you didn't get cursed. You made God that mad. He cursed you like, whew. Man, and it's like the apple ain't falling apart from the tree. Because remember last chapter, his mom and daddy got cursed. And now he's cursed because they just are try out here doing crazy. But let's look at this. Uh, your blood cries out from the, um, the ground. Now, this is what happens when innocent people fall face injustice. God hears the blood of the innocent. God hears. And then he responds. He hears the blood and then he goes to Cain and he says, what did you do? What's wrong with you? And then he places a curse on him because the blood is crying out from the ground. And if the blood is crying out from the ground, that's God responding. He's got to fix that. He had to nip that in the blood. I can't let you go out here and kill people and think that that is acceptable. I'm trying to be, I'm trying to get y'all to be fruitful and multiply and you're taking out your own brother. What is wrong with you? This is the boy that you played with. I probably shared a bed together. You probably shared a tent and all of that good stuff. You went camping together and all of these things you watched as your parents did X, Y, Z. And this is who you choose to kill. Wow. Wow. But it says his brother voice cries out from the, the ground and that that blood crying out from the ground. I think that is a direct parallel to Christ. Now, remember, I said that's it. blood crying out from the ground is, is when what happens when innocent faced injustice. What was Jesus Christ? He was innocent and he was faced with injustice and his blood did what it cried out from the ground. It's still crying out from the ground. And so, I, I you know, we like I told you, it's a book of prophecy and a book of record, um, whereas, you know, Revelation is a book of rec, uh, prophecy. But we see. We see depth and we see good things happen. Well, not necessarily good things, but we, we see we see this uh, going forward. So in verse 11, he says, Now you're cursing the earth, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. Because you did this. When you till the ground, it shall no longer yield you strength to you. A fugitive and a vagabond shall you be on the earth. You're going to be a wanderer. And look, I know it's your job to go and till the ground and you like to farm. And that's how you make your living. And that's how you feed your family. But guess what? It's not going to work. Yeah, it's not going to work anymore. It doesn't matter what you th what you were doing and how things were working. That is no longer going to work for you. You have been cursed. And in this curse, you're just going to deal with it. And so I think that is the danger that we see. We, we, we are so quick to want to be superior. For some reason, we have this need to be superior. And if we can't be superior, we've got to make somebody inferior just to make ourselves superior. I think we see that in white America and black America. 
Uh, we see that in corporate America when it comes to women and black people and other minorities and white men been on top. Uh, we see that in, a, in, a, in, in police brutality. We had to make somebody feel inferior. Somebody's got to be on a, a power trip. We see that with uh, people who hate Jews. We see that with people who hate anybody of any kind of color. We see that with men and women. If somebody just feels like they have to be superior, and I think that's sick. I think it's sick. And I think it's a problem. I think it's a problem that we just need to get rid of. I think it is an issue. And then God's response um, to the injustice, God doesn't curse Cain. God, God still loves him. He hated his problem. He cursed hit the ground. The ground was his livelihood. No prosperity and no abundance. You can't expect to flourish when you haven't dealt with the issues that you're in bed with. So we see we see him say he he's like I'm cursing the ground, and you know the immediate response is like Oh God, curse Cain. He didn't curse Cain. He cursed the ground. And here's my thing: you cannot prosper, you cannot succeed if you're holding hate on the inside of you, if you are doing craziness and you are hating people and you are you you got an issue with this person and that person for this reason or that other and it's it's petty. You cannot. You will not su- survive and thrive. If you are holding on to being a hellion, being a hater, being a hater doesn't work. Sorry. Sorry. And then here's Cain's response. Cain said to the Lord, my punishment is greater than I can bear. Surely you have driven me out this day from the face of the ground. It shall be hidden from your face. I shall be a fugitive and a vagabond on the earth. And it will be happening that anyone who finds me will kill me. Isn't that something? His fear is that somebody's going to kill him. Now, he just killed his brother because he's upset with him. But he's upset and he's worried about somebody killing him. Isn't that how it works? It's like on, 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 compu- on the computer, on social media. You, you, as long as you're behind the keyboard, it's all good. But then when people find out who you are and they find out where you work, all of a sudden people start deactivating pages. Well, how about we just be real? How about we learn to love one another? Because here's the issue. He knew something was wrong with killing. If he didn't, he wouldn't be fearing being killed. He knew that there was a uh, there was an issue with being killed and killing somebody and taking the life. First, he didn't give the life to take it, but yet he thought that he had the right to take it because he was upset because he threatened his dominance. What a problem. And the Lord said to him, Therefore, whoever kills Cain's vengeance shall be taken on him sevenfold. And the Lord set a mark on Cain, lest anyone find him. Him should kill him. So God says, you know what? Okay, cool. Nobody's going to kill you because I want to watch you. You're going to have to pay for this. You're going to be tortured. And for you to die, uh, you, there are some issues. So that is, that's the first portion of today's study. Okay. Cain and Abel. Cain and Abel. Um, it's a dominance problem. It's a hate problem. It's a heart problem. Okay. From there, we move into the family of Cain. And when we tap into the family of Cain, um, we start seeing we start seeing some unrighteousness, but then we see some some righteousness, and we should be able to move through this probably a little more expeditiously. I hope. Okay, starting at verse sixteen, then Cain went out from the presence of the Lord and dwelt in the land of Nod, and on the east of Eden. And Cain knew his wife and conceived and bore Enoch. Okay. Now Cain knew his wife and she conceived and and, and they had Enoch. Now, Enoch is that dude. Like, I like Enoch, okay? <laughs> uh, but Cain knew his wife, and she conceived and bore Enoch. 
And he built a city and named the city after the name of his son, Enoch. To Enoch was born Irad, and Irad, Mehujael. And Mehujael begat Methusael, and Methusael begat Lamech. And Lamech took to himself two wives. Now, let me just stop real quick. So we, we see I, Enoch was born and all that stuff. And then we see the heart of, we can assume that the heart is better because we see Mejuahel and Mehujael. Uh, and Methushael and Methushael. Okay, all of those have L at the end, which means that there's a a, rec- a recognition of God, which means this is possibly a possible heart change. Uh, but we don't know that much, and, and that's just me musing. But then we'll continue at 19. He says, Then Lamech took for himself two wives, the name of, of one was Adah, and the name of the one was Zillah, and Adah bore Jabal. And he was the father of those who dwell in tents, okay? And they have livestock. So they dwelt in tents and they have livestock. That's pretty, you know, and they have animals, all kind of animals. Now his brother's name was Jubal, and he was the father of those who played the harp and flute. So you got a family of musicians. He was the daddy of the musicians. He had a family full of musicians. I think that's pretty cool. It would be awesome to have uh, some kids and be some musicians. Verse 22, and as for Zilla, he also bore Tubal Cain, and instructed, we have, in in they don't know what that means. Instructed with every craftsman of bronze and iron, and the sister of Tubal Cain was Namah. Now here's what happened. And Lamach said to his wives, Adah and Zillah, hear my voice. Wives of Lamech, listen to my speech, for I have killed a man for wounding me, even a, a young man for hurting me. If Cain shall be avenged sevenfold, then Lamech seventy-sevenfold. Now, okay. So first they say that they think that this is, was the first um, first poem to ever happen. And you remember his son, uh, his son Tubal Cain made bronze, was a craftsman of bronze and iron. So it was believed that he made, he could make, um, he could make, uh, what do you call those things? He could make weapons. And in the fact that he could possibly make, um, weapons and all of that good stuff. Um, he, he. <laughs> Because he could make weapons and stuff, they believe that's what he used to kill this man. But then Lamech goes and he kind of has this moment where he's boasting about killing these folks because they do something to him. And then he's like, well, if Cain ain't going to get avenged sevenfold, you better believe he ain't going to touch me sevenfold. I I dare somebody come try me or whatever. But this is also like a precursor. Remember, this is like a prophecy and record. The 77, you remember... When they talk about in in when Jesus asked Jesus how many times did you forgive somebody, he says seventy times seven. There we go. So it was just kind of one of those things where it it kind of forbode forbode forbade, or not 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 even the right word. It 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 was a precursor to what was to come. So here we see next few the next verse next two verses we see the entrance of a new son to Adam and Eve. So we kind of take a step back, but even in the same time period, right? Okay. So and Adam knew his wife again, and she bore a son and named him Seth, for God had has appointed another seed for me instead of Abel, whom Cain killed. And as for Seth, to him also was a son born, and his name was Enosh. And the men then men began to call on the name of the Lord. Okay. So, um, so he has Seth and since, you know, Cain is Kirk, Cain is kind of like been cast out from God. Abel is dead. And so when, you know, surely, um, Adam and Eve had several other children, but this is important. Seth is important. Seth is going to be important to the genealogy. And after when Seth has the child Enosh, 
then men began to call on the name of the Lord. And so we see this call to worship, public worship of some time, some type. It may not be like worship, we know, but we see now this this um, need to worship God. And I think that is a turning point that is very integral to scripture, uh, because after that, we see this shift and turn of events. OK, we're going to go ahead and move on to Genesis five uh, because we still have a little time. I don't think we have a lot of time. We have a little time and it doesn't really take a lot because it is just genealogy. But there are a couple of high points that I do want to hit. Verse five, uh, verse one starts and says, and this is the book of, of the genealogy of Adam. Adam. We can go ahead and draw. The only other place we see that in the Bible is at the beginning of the New Testament in Matthew when it says this is the genealogy of Jesus. Uh, this is the book of genealogy of Jesus. And so this is um, like a precursor um, of sorts. And we see that there is like this divine outline and like God is God breathing scripture. And the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. Okay. So when God created, keep that in your mind. When God created man, when he created man, that is Adam, he created them in the likeness of God. Then he created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind. And the day that they were created and Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness. So we see a shift of sorts. You know, his, his son is not coming in the likeness of God. His son is coming in the likeness of man, of, of Adam. But, you know, Adam is in the likeness of God. So there's still a tie into the divine line. Um, it's just not, it's probably much more fallible. And after his image, he named him Seth. And after he begot Seth, the days of Adam were 800 years. And he had sons and daughters. So he had plenty of kids. Uh, so all the days that Adam lived were 930 years and he died. As promised, he fulfilled the prophecy that was made when they ate of the tree. He died. Seth lived 105 years and begot Enosh. Now things change when Enosh comes on the on the scene. After he begot Enosh, Seth lived 807 years and had sons and daughters. So all these days of Seth were 912 years and he died. Enosh lived 90 years, begot Canaan. And after he begot Canaan, Enosh lived 800 years, 15 years, and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died. I'm sorry. No, things don't change at Enosh. They change at Enoch. I apologize. Um, Canaan lived 70 years and he had Mahalalel and he begot Mahalalel. Uh, Canaan lived 800 years and 40 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Canaan and Canaan were 910 years and he died. Mahalalel lived 605 years and begot Jared and he begot Jared and Mahalalel lived 830 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Mahalalel were 895 years and he died. Jared lived 162 years and begot Enoch. Okay, important. Mark mark that, mark that Enoch is important. After he begot Enoch, Jared lived 800 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Jared were 962 years and he died. Enoch lived 65 years and then he begot Methuselah. Okay, now Methuselah's name is crazy. Now, if you've heard of Methuselah, you probably know because Methuselah is like the man who lived the longest ever on earth. And it's kind of crazy because like Methuselah died before his dad died, but he was yet the oldest man. But we'll talk about that by the, by the time the podcast is over and we'll clear that up because it is important. But um, Methuselah means when he is dead, it shall come. Okay, and so um, Enoch was a prophet of sorts. He walked with God. He pleased the Lord. Um, and so he has a son. And when he has a son, Methuselah, he gets a prophecy. And so he names 
uh, Methuselah, what he names Methuselah because God says to. And when he names him, Methuselah becomes a fulfillment of prophecy by the time that he dies. And the fact that he lives the longest is just like God's grace written all over it. But I'm going to get to that in a minute. And I promise we're going to unwrap it and make it make so much sense. So after he walked, after he begot uh, Methuselah, Enoch walked with God 300 years, had sons and daughters. And so all the days of Enoch were 365 years. And Enoch walked with God. Okay, this is the first time we see that. And he was not, for God took him. So he didn't die. Um, Where God took him to, we don't know, but God took him. Um, And I guess that's because he had found favor in the the sight of God and God was pleased with him. And so he said, I'm I'm not going to allow you, because at this point there is no salvation. Like these people are going to hell. Um, as, as sad as that may be and as scary as it is and as sick as it is, but these folks are going to hell, like they're living and they're dying and, and, and this is the surely die and that's the fulfillment of this prophecy. But as we continue, we see, um, Enoch doesn't die. Uh, God took him, but Methuselah lived 187 years, begot Lamech. After he begot Lamech, Methuselah lived 782 years, had sons and daughters. So all the days Methuselah, Methuselah were 900 69 years and he died now i'm going to come back to that spot lamech lived 180 years and had a son and he called his name noah saying one will comfort us concerning our work and the toil of our hands because of the ground which the lord has cursed after he begot noah lamech lived 595 years and had sons and daughters so all the days of lamech were, were 770 years and he died noah was 500 years old when noah begot shem Ham and Japheth. Now, next chapter, next time, we're going to talk about chapter six. And chapter six is the story of Noah, which is a very famous story. And I think you'll you'll enjoy that. But let's go back and, and unpack this um, really quick. So Methuselah, after, after he dies, it will come. That's what it meant. So all the days were the days of Methuselah were, were 969 years. And then he died, right? So we see his dad had a prophecy, right? We, we got that. Now, um, Enoch pleasing God and Methuselah's life was overlapped by 120 years that was built, but that was boat building. The year that Methuselah finally dies is the year that the flood happens. Wild, right? So like God's prophecy and Enoch receiving the prophecy and naming Methuselah was like spot on. It was, it was right on, right on. It was not wrong. It was just great. Okay. So... Um, Methuselah came from Enoch. Enoch was a prophet. He was righteous. And I would be willing to bet that he was raised right. Um, but he was still in the world. And Methuselah lived as a living prophecy. He was important. Um, and so I think we, we just need to take that God does not do anything by happenstance. And he warns us before he causes us to, he allows us to fall. He warns us. And he gave them a long warning. The fact that Methuselah was the longest man to ever live. He lived, what, 969 years? He lived the longest amount of time. Um, and that's just an attribution to God's grace. God was upset with them. He was angry with them. He wanted them to do right, and they were not doing right. But he still gave them the longest life in the world because that was the warning. Every time you called on Methuselah's name, there was something. There was some torment coming. Please get it together because I don't want to have to destroy you. Uh, but yet, what happens? He's still going to have to destroy them. Um, I think there's hope when we talk about Nineveh in a few chapters uh, because they actually do turn. Um, but as for the world at this state, after we talk about Noah, there was not really, there's no hope for these people. Um, and I'm, I'm so hard, I'm so sad to have to announce that and bear that, that news. So what we have is, uh, such scripture. 
And we've just covered chapters 4 and 5. I hope that you have received something and learned something. Um, but we were getting into the hard, heavy stuff. Um, I do realize chapter 5 was like straight down. Um, and usually when I read the Bible, I don't like to read these genealogies. But there's a reason that the genealogies are there. They do teach us a lot. They do help us understand why the word says what it says. And the more we read in the gene- genealogies and the more that we dig into them, we'll start seeing connections all throughout the Bible. And that is how we begin to make those connections. So I probably will read a lot of genealogy, but it'll probably be quick because I'll just pull out a point or two and why it's important. So until next time, this has been Bible School. Make sure you're checking out ReverendKojo.com. It got an overhaul today. Um, and well, I guess by the time you read it, it got an overhaul last week. Uh, <laughs> listening to this. Uh, it got an overhaul today. Uh, I think it's, it's much more accessible. To me, it looks better. It's more organized. Um, check it out because you're listening to Bible School, but you should check out um, Life School and The Blackboard, um, as well as the two books I've written, um, and even a car talk or two. Um, do check it out. I promise God is really doing some stuff right now, and I'm trying to, I'm, I'm, I'm really working on this vulnerability thing, trying to tell you the whole story. If you want some of my stories, you should listen to car talks. Or you should listen to, well, watch Car Talks and listen to Life School. Uh, But as for Bible School, it's just stories, 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 as told by the Word. Y'all be blessed. This is Bible School with Reverend Kojo.